I'm Sinead O'Moore and you're listening to Every Mum the Podcast, supported by Water Wipes, who are proven to be purer than cotton wool and water and now biodegradable. From fertility to birth, pandemic parenting to taking care of ourselves, here we talk the insane joy and anxious defeat, the love, the laughs, the tears and the moments that we don't talk enough about. This season is supported by one of the most essential products for every mum, from that first nappy change to those messy weaning months, water wipes, the world's purest baby wipes. Made here in Ireland, water wipes are now 100% biodegradable and compostable wipes. With the same purity and quality as before, they are ideal for sensitive newborn and even premature skin. As the number one wipe in Ireland, together we are committed to providing more support for parents with trusted products, and this podcast. It's time we talk to a dad. Keith Walt is a broadcaster, writer, dad of two and mental health advocate. And he joins us to talk about how fatherhood is, well, pure mental. Keith has been incredibly open about how his life and his family's life has benefited from him going to therapy and working through the parts of himself that were holding him back. It's improved his happiness, but it's also taught his children how to talk, to feel vulnerable, how it's okay to ask for help and how to deal with the stuff that inevitably happens in life. Pretty important lessons for a dad to pass on. Here we talk about it all, including his experience of domestic violence as a child and how no matter what we've all gone through, we can only keep things pushed down for so long. But most of all, we talk about how great and fun and fulfilling life and fatherhood can be once we stop trying to have it all figured out and just care for ourselves along the way. Keith Walsh, thank you so much for joining me on Every Mum the Podcast and being our first father. So ultimately, you are like the number one dad. That's it. Well, how could I say no to being the first dad on the Every Mum podcast? You know what I mean? It's a first. (laughs) I'm I'm always, I'm interested in firsts. Interested in firsts. And of course, it is to mark Father's Day in a particular year where fathers I feel we're very much left behind in a lot of aspects, um, especially if you are a first time father this year, uh, left out of scans, left out of some births, left out of the process, a bit excluded, a bit feeling like, hang on, how do I adjust to this new role? Um, along with career challenges, along with you know fears around who they are in terms of work and wealth and worth. It's been a big year for the dads, the men in our life. There's so much in that that you've said there that's true for for men and for women. I suppose maybe if we talk about the the childbirth situation and being, you know, not being involved and not being able to go into the hospital and not being not being there for the birth and all that kind of stuff. Um it's hard, I think, for new dads to know where they can come in, like where they fit in, like where, what they're in the best of uh, times when you can go in, you can 
you can be involved in you know the delivery or, or just stand around just try not to get in the way in the hospital you can be there for the scans um it's i remember being with my wife and she had bought this uh a kit for when she was uh uh, having, um, I think it was Anna, the first one, and she had all these nice things uh, like creams and sprays and, you know, just things to make the experience nicer in the hospital. So we had that packed in the overnight bag and she was, um, she was, her contractions had started and she was in the throes of labour and, I mean, it was pretty, she had a pretty tough uh, labour, especially on Anna. Um, and me as a, as a man, as a as a dad to, to be trying to get involved i was like well I, you know <laughs> had a look through this bag that she prepared for the hospital i was trying to think of something to do rather than just going you know i mean even rubbing her hand wasn't the right thing to do you know it was almost like get away but stay close don't go too far away you know um so i, I took out this this bottle of water spray i think it was something fancy like yves saint laurent water spray it was just like a, a spritz you know to kind of and I sprayed it in her face <laughs> and if she didn't kill me and divorce me then uh, and, and give birth to her daughter all in the same moment I mean she was literally what the fuck have you just done look what where did that come from you know and I was like oh she'll enjoy this spritz of of water spray in her face um yeah I might as well have just you know stormed off in that moment. but it was but it, it's just it's it's awkward you know, mm. and this is like, I'm not here for anyone to feel sorry for dads because obviously <laughs> we're not even doing the, we're not even doing the most important job and we don't even have the hardest job, but I can only imagine how, how difficult it's been for new dads and for new moms, because we've gotten used to the fact that we can go to the hospital together. We can go to the scans together. It is as much as childbirth can be a shared experience. And you're kind of there on the journey all the way. Um, so I really feel for new dads and I feel for the moms and uh, that, that, that would have liked to have their other half or their partner with them, you know? Um, I, think, I think that's what it is. It's, it's that it's the beginning of that journey together and figuring it out together and receiving information together and feeling like we are doing this as much as the dad can feel like that, because it is in that moment of birth that like, you know, the, the lines, the delegation blurs a little in that she is there doing the hard bit. And we talk a lot about the experiences of birth, the good, the bad and the ugly on, on, on this show. And it is important to recognize that it is, is also really challenging for a partner who loves their wife, their, their, their partner, their girlfriend, you know, the woman in labor to watch that feeling so useless. Because our whole upbringing, our whole uh, society, everybody's telling us that we are the men of the house. We are the ones that get the jobs. and We are the ones that keep the stiff upper lip and keep everything going when the stuff hits the fan. And we keep everything locked up and we keep everything zipped up and we keep everything inside. We don't share our feelings, our emotions. And that's just, we're the strong, silent types. We're the sturdy, you know, the, we're, the, <laughs> we're the strong, strong, tree in the way whatever it is uh, but so we're so 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 if we could if we could and the, if i could go back and mm. uh, knowing what i know now and if i could have just let go in that moment of needing to be 
it's okay to want to be of use, but it's okay to just sit in a corner and then do something that you're being asked to do. You know, we need to, to just um, just let go and just be in the moment. Like I couldn't, I don't think I could let go and just be in the moment because I had all this other stuff kind of going on, responsibility, who am I? Who am I in this moment, you know? Well, we don't always know what our role is and we don't always know what we're supposed to be doing and that's okay. And that's something that I'm figuring out now that I'm a bit older that maybe I, I wish I'd figured out and I could have just in that moment just literally have been in the moment and been sort of like as things were happening just experiencing them you know we put a lot of responsibility sometimes the the man in the relationship or the whatever uh you know we kind of almost wait so we're told what to do and we're told where to be and we're told how to behave. And like, we, you know, we almost blame the other person for not letting us know. There's a relationship dynamic shift that goes on. So you have like, you know, two equal people and then all of a sudden a baby enters the world. And then there's this assumption. I sometimes, you know, certainly there's arguments that go on here. There's an assumption that because I'm the mother, I somehow know what the solution is i mean how many times you in the first few weeks and you're like will you give me the cellular blanket and there's just a blank face of like what are you talking about there's this whole new language that goes on and friction around like i'm learning this too i don't have the answers and i think that there just needs to be that space for both to kind of settle in and figure it out and tune into a bit of instinct too like not all of it can be like okay we've got this i know what we're doing we don't none of us do mm. and that and that's the other thing of uh, uh, you know with, with men and I, look i'm generalizing here but men it's black or white so we either know what we're doing and we know what's going on or we're just passengers and we're just like well you just tell me what to do and I, you just you just hand me the bag that's prepared and i'll put it in the boot i'll, I'll be the I'll be your your helper, you know. I'll be your labourer for the, you know. It's like, um, or if we know, if we feel like we know exactly what's going on, then we're like, well, I know what I know what to do here. I know how to. We just let the child cry themselves to sleep. That is the way to do it. I read it in a book, and that's what we're doing. Yeah, and and definitely like for both parties to just maybe uh, relax and yeah, at some point. It would be great early doors if you both sat down and said, look, let's just agree that we haven't got a clue what we're doing. And everything we read in the book, you know, some of it might be right. Some of it, let's presume it's all wrong and let's just try and learn together. That would be great. I don't think, I don't think we do. Like, I think that, and I often used to say to my, my, my brilliant, brilliant wife that it took me probably maybe and this is a hard thing to say but maybe a year before i realized that i had responsibilities maybe longer and that i was i actually was a dad and i had to stop going to the pub on a friday night and i had to stop doing the things that i used to do uh before i was a dad and that was part of my uh like you know suzanne straight away had a new life yeah and it took and yeah it took me definitely at least a year maybe longer for me to okay, Keith, this is you need to cop on here. You need to do better. 
I'm just going through all the things I would do differently. I'm looking for <laughs> forgiveness. Please, please like me. I, I would have done it differently. Um, but it feels like you've, you've caught up. And I think that's something that is hard when you're in the phase of that first time baby zone. Like you, you forget that they will grow up. You forget that there will be feedback. You forget that this little human will turn into a child that you get to have fun with and interact with and the crack with. And definitely amongst the, the, the dads in my life that I know, that's certainly a time when they come into their own and the roles kind of shift that little bit more again. And, you know, definitely when it comes to my four-year-old, I probably do a little bit less now because mm. she's all about having wrestling matches with dad. And I'm like, yeah, no, I'm wrecked. Off you go. <laughs> yeah, definitely. As I got older, like my wife in the early years, my wife then would have worked a lot. She went back to, to work. And uh, so weekends, she worked in retail, some of my stuff and Anna would have, Anna was an early riser. So we would have been like Saturday morning outside McDonald's before it was even open. Um, having been up for about an hour, we'd, we'd go for McDonald's. We'd be the first in for our uh, coffee for me, not for Anna. And uh, she'd have <laughs> something like milk and a, and a hash brown or something like that. Just for some, just literally for somewhere to go. It was like, mm. just, we need to do something. Anna. we're just like, we're already up an hour. She could be up at five, half five and ready. You know, and this is like mm. two, two years of age. And uh, we'd get home then and sit in the bed and watch soccer AM or something. Um, so I suppose she she was my little pal, and then, uh, yeah. So it changed. Yeah, I mean, as they get older, you definitely feel you're more useful to them. Uh, there's more interaction. You get more crack out of them. Um, but it's funny that you, what you were saying at the start was that what I was thinking is that for dads who the thing I keep thinking about now as they're older is like, oh, I wonder if I did that differently or I wonder if I was better at that, you know, or if you, or if there's something like, say for instance, they're not settling in school or they're not into this or they're not doing that or whatever you go, oh, I wonder if that because I wasn't as good at, you know, I wasn't as attentive when they were doing homework or was it, do you know what I mean? Or was it how I, we, insisted that they go to bed at a certain time or you know you you just wonder about all your what you did as a, as a dad you know it's hard not to we might have just stumbled across the very first example of dad guilt <laughs> is this the first example Doubt it. because there is a constant stream of conversation around mum guilt and just what you explained there like a constant running in your mind around something surely I've done has impacted this or something I should have done better or I shouldn't have gone back to work on on a Monday I should have gone back to work on a Tuesday because then they would have only had a four-day settling in period and they would have been completely different than Gret. whatever it is it's a constant feeling of I need to do better and I'm so happy that we have stumbled across this because it proves that as a parent that loves their child and wants the best for them it happens to us all. Like if you're in a if you're in a mind frame of wanting to do the best you possibly can to create happy, well beings, then of course you are judging your performance the whole way through. 
Yeah, and I swing wildly from, look, all your children need are a roof over their head to know that they're loved, to know that they're safe, that they've got a safe place to come back to if they want to, you know, go and explore the world. And that's all, you know, I, and, and that's all. And we, we gave them that and we gave them the education. We, you know, and that's, you just need to give them the, they, they are their own people. And I swing wildly from that to like, oh no, I'm after really making a mess of this. Um, you know, I should have given them more. I should have done more. I should have been more. I should have, uh, been different but you you forget and it's something that you said at the start we're still as people we're still growing we're still learning and if you're not if you feel like you've gotten to a point when you have your first child or your second child that you've learned everything and that's it and this is who you are then that's not a good thing and i and and another thing i sort of i used to say to, to, to suzanne i'm sure i annoyed the shit out of her <laughs> the things i used to decide and say and i'd be very you know definite in my opinion in, in a lot of ways but uh, I'd be like there's you know there's four of us in this house we it shouldn't be even though it is two people have responsibility for certain things it shouldn't be like mom and dad and the two kids it should be Anna, Finn, Suzanne and Keith and everybody has things they want to do and everybody has hopes and dreams and you know myself and Suzanne hadn't stopped wanting things and wanting to do things the kids were going to want their own things and Anna was going to want something different to Finn and Finn would so it wasn't like anybody was neither the kids were running the house or the parents were in the house or it wasn't like we our hopes and dreams were more important than the kids and we weren't certainly going to put I mean you do I suppose put the kids needs before you in a lot of ways but you know I, I always say look there's four in the house let's let's try and decide all the time what's best for everybody. And, you know, so if Suzanne wants to go back to work or she wants to give up work for a while, or if I want to change jobs, or if Anna wants to start doing, you know, roller skating, Irish dancing or whatever she wants to do that week, uh, or Finn, Finn wants to give up football and take up Tai Chi, like, it's just let's just let's treat you know treat everybody it's not the kids and mom and dad it's like every, it's four people um and yeah i think that was good because i don't know i think we just i feel like it was a good way for us to approach things because we as i said like we as people were still growing we were still learning about ourselves we were still and i think that was good for the kids to see mm. Like during during lockdown, I gave up my job at RTE and then had to do something else. And my kids were around, so they got to experience me going going through a sort of a personal. Uh, I wouldn't use the word crisis, but a personal. I I you know I spoke openly about it to them. I was like, well, I'm gonna. I was like, screw that. I'm not. I don't feel fulfilled in RTE. I want to do something else. I don't know what it is yet, but I'm gonna try. They saw me at the kitchen table. You know, and had all these things going on. I was like, I was making, I was drawing these cards, and I was making calendars, and I was trying this and trying that, and uh, so they saw all that, and they saw I wasn't, you know, I was in a good place, so I was able to be honest with them, and I wasn't trying to pretend like everything was fine. You don't need to know about this part of my life. Mm. You only need to know about the, you know, I'm your dad, and I will give you. Uh, I would give you advice and I would be here and you're, I'll give you your pocket money. And, you know, and then outside after that, that's my own private life. No, it was, they knew everything about me. Um, and I suppose they probably got to experience my 
you know, of concerns over whether any of this would work out, whether I'd made the right decision. And, and I think that's really important. Um, and a similar thing was happening with my wife because her shop closed down and because she, she was in retail and she had to start up her own business. So that was all happening during lockdown. So I feel like our kids got to see two people uh, reach some sort of things, a uh, uh, moment in their lives where they had to kind of rethink everything and they got to see that rethinking. There was no, it wasn't a stressful time, I like to think. I hope not. Maybe the kids could have been worried, but I wasn't necessarily worried. And, and yeah, I hope they got to see that in, that that's life and things change. And if you get into your 40s, it's not over. You still have your 50s and your 60s and your 70s and you're still, you still have hopes and dreams and you still have respect for yourself. And it's as it's important for me. I, I could have said or Sanan could say, well, you know, let's just hold on to these jobs for dear life because, you know, the income will allow the children to do X, Y, and Z. And then Anna's going to university. And, but we didn't. We just said, look, we'll, we're going to have to, you have to try as hard as it is sometimes to be really honest and really brave and look after yourself. Because if you don't look after yourself, you, I guarantee you'll be no good to the kids or to your partner or, or to yourself, ultimately. This podcast is just one way that every mum can support you. Another amazing way is with our free gift bag, packed full of essentials for you and baby, including free samples of water wipes, the number one wipe against nappy rash. To receive yours, just register now on everymum.ie. There's a free gift bag there waiting for every mum. What you thought them was endeavour and what you thought them was acknowledging something being wrong and a redirection being right. And it doesn't matter where you end up. It matters that you're, you, you're courageous enough to back yourself and to, to look at inwards and say, right, well, what are my skill sets? What are my unique values that I can put out into the world? And how can I use them best in a way that is fulfilling instead of a scarcity attitude and a limiting beliefs attitude and an I'm not good enough attitude, which is I'm going to cling on here because nothing else good might happen. And that above anything is better than any sort of curriculum that they might have in school. That's, that's, that's the sort of personal development that our children need to see in us. They need to see that we're vulnerable adults and that life can kick us. And here's actually how you pick yourself up and stay happy. Yeah, and it's a contrast between only knowing there's something wrong if you hear your mom and dad screaming in the room upstairs and, and you've no clue what it's about or how bad it is or how, mm. you know, you, you know it because you're not being told. You're not, and that's the thing with a family. It shouldn't be this is mom and dad or mom and mom or dad and dad. And what we do is behind closed doors, we, we have, you know, we've, we've parent business behind closed doors. And sometimes you might hear a shouting about that parent business and kids don't really know what's going on there. Whereas if it's all out in the open and I was, able, I, I was able to say to my kids, uh, I'm actually going to go to therapy because I think that's going to help me figure out what I need to do now. So I was also, I don't, I don't want to be coming across as, is perfect person because it's far from the truth but i i i was lucky enough to be to to 
to find myself in this place that I was allowed to, that I knew that it was good to be vulnerable. And that was through therapy. So I ended up talking to my kids about going to therapy and saying I was going to therapy and uh, that I was figuring all this out. And they were a part of that. And they were, they, we were on that journey together. You know, they were a support to me. They were, uh, <laughs> I'm going to cry now. They were, um, like they were, they were there for me as much as it's important for your kids to be allowed to be there for you as well, you know? Um, and that's where that whole thing of making sure your family is individuals, because let them give them the opportunity to show you the support that, that they want to show you. So you have to let them in and you have to allow them to say, even if it's just sitting up beside you and putting their hand on your knee and, do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a hard dynamic. It's a hard thing to shift into because you really have to be, I think you really have to be okay with yourself to allow yourself to, firstly, it's a really hard thing to allow yourself to be cared for by, by lots of people. <laughs> we're, we're, we're really not good at accepting help. We're definitely not good at asking for it. We're an I'm fine nation. Um, so to have your kids who you want, you, you want them to see sometimes you as being this invincible wall of strength who is there to protect. So to actually let that down and say, actually, I'm not feeling so great about this, or I need to have help over this. And it can be something small, like bringing your child with you to the GP over something minor, just so they see this is what you do if you feel sick. And take some of the fear out of it because it's not happening to them. They're just witnessing that that's how you take care of yourself. Is, is that how you approached it? That you wanted them to learn this is how you take care of yourself? Yeah, well, I wanted to be real. I, 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 I think sometimes we feel like for kids, it should be like, well, you go to school and you do X. Ex- we have a, I spoke to somebody, I think it's Fiona Brennan in her book about um, I can't remember the name of it, but it's basically a book about how to love yourself. Uh, and she has this life map, which is basically you go to school, you behave yourself in school, mm. then you do your leaving cert, you do well in your leaving cert, then you go to college, you do well in college, then you get a job, you do well in that job, then you get a promotion, then you get another promotion, then you get married, and then you have kids, and then you die. And that's the map. So sometimes as parents we can go well you don't need to worry about anything that's going on with us you just need to worry about doing getting good grades and doing well in football and and then everything will follow and we know that's not true because it doesn't work like that because we've been there because we've gone to school we've gone to college we've gotten jobs and other shit happens it doesn't matter how good you are in school it doesn't matter how good your grades are it doesn't matter how well you do your job you have other like life is bigger than that so for us to just only tell our kids about only tell our kids half the story is to deny them the truth and then f- allow them to discover when the first time the shit hits the fan for them that oh but i hang on a second i went to school i behaved myself i went to bed on time i did my homework and so why why am i feeling like this why is why is are things not working out for me i've no knowledge of this I don't know how to handle this. That's unfair. It's unfair to do that to children. To leave them. We try and protect them. 
but we actually hmm. we're doing the opposite we're leaving them vulnerable we're not teaching them we're not giving them the whole picture and that's something that parents do i'm not i'm generalizing here <laughs> and the school system does hmm. because all the school system ever does is like we'll just you know you've got the points raised now and you've got your leaving cert and then you've got to university and, but sure that's not that's not even i, I mean i say half the story it's not even half the story it's a third it's a quarter of the story there's so much more that you need to know um and yeah it was you know it was almost like it was good for me to be able to be honest with my kids about what what i was going through um and I suppose both like and then Suzanne was doing is doing her thing and they can see that happening and we're not we haven't stopped living we haven't stopped uh, you know uh, you know I'm still you know as a 47 year old man I you know I might want to shave my head one day or you know it, it doesn't I you know I'll talk to my daughter about runners and music and uh, what new bands if she has discovered a new band she'll tell me about them and I'm very lucky to have a 19-year-old daughter who likes, she's only 18, I better just say that, to, just to clarify, she's almost 19. She'll pull me up on it. Uh, who likes good music. Um, we had started going to gigs together before the lockdown. So I think it's really important, you know, for dads to allow themselves to be vulnerable. I, like what you will get out of family life and the family experience will be a hundred times better if you can just drop your guard and be yourself. Traditionally, we have seen dads who are one thing in the house. There's something else to their friends outside the house. There's something else in work. There's something else at home when they visit their mother or something. That's they have, they play the roles. And we often do that as dads. We behave differently. So even, even though I'm coming at it late in life and I only started therapy as a 46-year-old, I'm trying now to be the same person I am all the time. I'm, the same, I'm going to be the same person with you now. I'm not going to put on a show and then I'm going to walk out that door and be like a serious dad and we, where's the homework and we need to get shit done and I'm grumpy because I work too hard and then I go to work and I'm a different character who, who you know, always yeah. guessing who I need to be in whatever situation. Uh, it's much better for me. It's much less tiring. It's much better for my mental health that I now I'm just myself. Sometimes I'm tired and I'm honest about that. Sometimes I'm uh, a bit. Actually, I've just I was just I'm I'm rarely grumpy now, which is I've just realised. But when I was, I was I started telling people in the house that look, I'm just feeling a bit, hmm. not feeling myself, and I would say, listen. I'm not reacting well in this situation here to my child. And that's because I'm in a bad mood. So I, you know, I apologize. And even just saying that alone lets mm. you off the hook and lets everybody relax. And um, so to, so the job, if there is any young fathers listening and young mothers as well, if you can try and do that thing where you are the same, to, where you are just yourself, you don't, if people don't accept you for who you are, that's, let them, that's for them to deal with. If you can be yourself, your real self, you can be whoever you want to be. You can be like, yeah, I, I, I'm going to listen to the Spice Girls in the morning. I'm going to, I'm going to still watch 
Grey's Anatomy. I, I, like, I'm going to tell my kids what I like. I'm going to, I'm going to maybe still go to the odd festival. I'm, and I'm going to make, I'm going to make sure that I pencil that into my diary. I'm going to tell the kids, you know, at the end of September, the first weekend of September, I'm not dad anymore. I'm at Electric Picnic and I'll see it when I recover a week later. And be honest with yourself about what you want to do. I, I feel it myself and I have a lot of conversations around it, but it's like, it's hard to know who you are anymore sometimes when kids come into your life because they require so much of you that there is very little left to still feel like you. We used to say that if, our, if any of our friends had kids, we'd be like, we won't see them for two years. <laughs> but as sure as, as night follows day, two year, you know, you'd almost see kids, you'd almost see people arriving in the pub or something, or you'd see them, you'd see them twice in one month and you'd be like, oh yeah, that's right. Little Barry is two now, you know, because once they get that to two, it's like you, you suddenly find... You're off the hook. <laughs> yeah, you're off the hook. You find energy. You're, 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 you've, got, you've, had a few, you've had a few nights sleep and then you're like, do you want to go to the pub? Like, yeah, let's go to the pub. <laughs> Let's get a babysitter. Yeah, let's get a babysitter. And and the people you ask, uh, do, do the people who babysit are more likely to babysit a two year old than uh, you know than than up until that point, especially if it's two kids or three kids, whatever. But uh, yeah, two. But yeah, that's that's something you have to kind of tip away at. But you know, it comes back to that um, thing of trying to allow everybody to be an individual, whatever age they are their 30s and their 30 months that everybody everybody we try and meet everyone's needs um and you know i've seen it in friends like you know who you know he might say look i just don't like this job anymore i think i want to go back to college it's going to be a struggle for a few years but that's the best thing mm. if you can do that that is the best thing for everybody it's not the best thing if you make that person stay doing something they don't like for the benefit of other people be okay. they small or be they big we look we all have to make sacrifice and maybe it's a case of go can you just if we just do one more year in the job and we'll try and save a little bit extra and then we'll be in a better position and then that person has a they think well i'm only doing the job for a year and then i'm going back to college or they can say like well let's can we try a year of night class but that everybody feels that they are somehow fulfilled you know and and that's really important as well that those conversations are going on and that everybody in the house not just the kids feels like they can be honest about what they want to do um but yeah it's never it's it's never too late you you won't be much good to the kids if you're not in a good place and you're not looking after yourself uh, as hard as that may seem but definitely after two years when the kid when the youngest gets to two years you need to start thinking about yourself again I was listening to the podcast that you did on Mind Your Loaf. And obviously then large parts of your play as well are around kind of your own childhood. And, you know, I hear from people how often when they have their own kids, how they were parented can kind of be triggered, I suppose. And they're they're all of a sudden looking at it from a completely different perspective because all of a sudden it's like and I hear it I hear it from people who might have who lost a parent and now they're the parent and they now understand you know 
the love or they understand what was lost or what was missed out on or there's just there's a lot of things that can kind of not be suppressed anymore because you've been cracked back open um talk to me about how or has this kind of did it happen for you in that when you became a father and when you started looking at your children and when you started realizing how you wanted to raise them did you start looking back at your own childhood saying like I will never do those things I will never be that person I will never allow my children to feel certain things did it shape how you're now parenting yeah, like totally. Like a, the the one thing, the hard and fast rule that I made when I was very young, before I even probably even met Suzanne, you know, when I was a teenager, was that I would never use violence. It's it's a strange thing to have to decide because hitting a child is domestic abuse. Like we look at we talk about husbands hitting wives or, or wives hitting husbands as, as can be that does, it does happen. And probably more than we know that's domestic abuse. You can get locked up for that. You can go to prison for that. For some reason, when you, when you hit a child, it's not the same. I mean, it is against the law now, but we didn't think of it that way. And maybe, I don't really know where it comes from, but it comes from discipline and, and uh, you know, it, it, it definitely goes back to that, what I was talking about, like treating children different, differently and adults differently in a household hmm. um, where you're allowed to take your frustrations out on a child, uh, whereas you might hit your child, but you wouldn't hit your wife because that wouldn't be the done thing. So, yeah, I said, I mean, I now call it domestic abuse. When I was young, I said, I'll never hit my children. Um, I feel that definitely a part of, there was a, a huge part of me being a dad in the early days where I couldn't get close to my children and I couldn't be myself. It took therapy for me to untangle all that and figure all that out. But a lot was that was, was, was tied up in how I was treated. Uh, and how I was the abuse that I would have taken as a child that I didn't know. I mean, there's so much, I don't even know if I get into it, but like if you, if you grow up in a house with an angry adult, you, you'll end up being a people pleaser. You'll end up trying to, you'll end up smothering, burying your own emotions so far down. So you don't, you, you, because you can't, as a child, you can't deal with the highs and lows of that every day. So what you do is you just stop feeling your emotions. You you, you bottle them up, and you try, and then you become a people pleaser, and then you try and just be the person that you think the person needs to be at any given moment, and also keep that, them happy. Keep them happy, and then also in any given moment that might change. So their mood might change, and you've no control over that. But you but you you try. Uh, so. Yeah, my decision very young before I even had kids was that I will never hit my children. And um, there was probably a time where I thought I'm just not going to have children because, you know, just in case. And it definitely, it, it always played in my mind. I worried that I might, you know. Um, so it was something that I kind of, I lived with every day when the kids were young, like to keep yourself in check. I was very controlled. I was very, I was very buttoned up, buttoned down, zipped up, whatever. 
uh, blocked. Um, and it meant that, I mean, all of this stuff meant that I was, so my kids and my wife could be like having pro a good laugh, proper belly laugh, you know, having the crack in the kitchen. And I would be there and know that this is a lovely time, but not really feel part of it, you know. Um, so all that comes from how I was treated as a child, what was in my head when I was bringing up my own children and how I sort of felt like I had to just keep everything in, in check and control everything. Um, and the thing about something like that is you can't, uh, you can't keep it zipped up, buttoned down, blocked, mm. pre you, you, it, it'll come out somewhere. Mm. It will definitely come out somewhere as something. Um, I think what happened to me and a lot was going on around that time, but when my son hit probably the age of eight, nine, ten, and they say that if you lose a child, if you lose a parent at the age of seven or eight or nine or ten, it's when your own child mm, hits that age. Hits that age. That's when, even though you think you've, you might have grieved properly, you might have had counselling, but when your own child hits that age, that's bang, it'll all come back to you because you can see yourself in that child. So I could. So what happened to me, I think, was I could see myself in that boy. In, in Finn and my son and I I mean one of the things I suppose there's lots of things lots of things went on but I couldn't figure out how somebody could do mm. to that child what happened to me and that made it real whereas I could excuse it almost and I was still had a relationship with my mother I still had a relationship with my father and I was kind of like well that's I just get on with you just get on with it. these things happen lots of people were hit by their parents or Lots, lots of things happened in, in families and you just get on with it and that's the way. But when, when I saw Finn, I was like, no, hang on a second. I really just, you know, it all came back. And that's when I think I needed, there was a bit of a, not that there was an unraveling. I think I might have got to therapy on time and I might, you know, just, I realized what was going on. And it, yeah, it, it for me, I had to make, I made a decision where like, I need to, I realized that I needed to, so, you needed to heal the the person you saw in Finn, which was you. Yeah. You needed to go back and take care of him. Yeah, and out of respect for myself as the boy, me as a boy, I needed to remove myself from certain situations and get myself better, properly, properly better. Mm. Like not just good enough good enough so I don't hit my own children, good enough to hold down a job, good enough to m make sure that I have a house with a mortgage, good enough that I, I'm a, a member of society that doesn't cause harm to any other people. No, better than that. Yeah. Like, much better. There's, however, you know, if, if, if any of this rings true with you, there's so much more to you. You're in survival mode, you know, and nobody expects you to just, it took, it's taken, like, I'm still talking about it. I'm still doing the work. I'm still figuring it out. And I still have a long way to go. Uh, so no one expects you to be able to just switch a switch and just, it's all going to be different. It's just, you know, take the time, as I said, like to do things for yourself and you owe it to your younger self and, take this it's just a little step every day you know there was a piece of that podcast that really i found quite remarkable 
but so I, I found it remarkable and then I felt bad for finding it remarkable because I shouldn't have, which was when you said you showed so much empathy to your parents because you felt like actually they, they didn't have the toolkit to know how to deal with their emotions in any sort of positive way. And they took it out on you and that that was the, the generational trauma that has to end. It's like there needs to be an education for parents today that enables them to, to cope with the pressures that are being put on us in so many different areas so that we don't take it out on our children anymore. And, 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 that's, and that's why I was like, wow, that's brilliant. And then I was like, no, this is what we are now doing. This is something like this, something like having these podcasts, something like having open dialogue around, hey, I'm an adult and guess what? I'm still a bit broken and I'm going to go see someone and figure that out. That should be just the norm because none of us, I think, were parented by parents that knew how to do that. Yeah, if you, you can't take your frustration out on your husband, you can't take your frustration out on your wife, physically or mentally, you can't, it's, it's, it's wrong. You, you certainly can't take it out on your children. If you feel like you have anger and frustration that you need to take out on somebody, that means you need to get, you need to get better, you need, you, you need attention, you need attention. That's the signal. Um, and I would now gladly take pride in the fact that I have been the person within my line, generation line, to stop that trauma. It's, I've, it's, you know, I'm sort of saying it stops here. Mm-hmm. I'm not passing it on. I mean, I wasn't doing a great job of it, probably. I was doing the best I could with what I had, with the tools I had with who I was and uh, now I'm doing better because I've started, I, I, because I've, I've done work on myself, but, but, but I'm very proud to say that I've stopped that trauma that was passed on probably to my parents. And this isn't about blame. This is not about pointing the finger. This is just about being honest with yourself. And I don't hate anybody. I, I don't, you know, there probably was anger and stuff. Actually, there's probably more anger when I was, part of my parents lives it's probably more for now it's i don't i just happy to just be doing what i'm doing doing my own thing and live my own life and away from a distortion that i was living in before and so for a lot of people they will get to that point well i don't want to be i don't want to be blaming anybody i don't want to be don't worry about it just do the work on yourself you don't have to blame anybody it doesn't have to be anybody's fault just they had their own things that they was passed on to them. And we were a very traumatized country. Lots of mm-hmm. terrible things happened to us in school and in, uh, you know, government owned um, buildings for want of a better word. Uh, religious orders had places, establishments set up and there was a lot of trauma. There was a lot of terrible things done to us as a people. And, and, and it, you're, you're so right. And it's only like you said it now, we are doing the work and it's you will find people saying oh you stop going on about it will you stop whinging will you stop talking like it's the talking that will heal it and that will help us and will help other people as a man in his 40s who knows lots of other men in their 40s since you have started the conversation around how you're taking care of yourself 
whether it's, you know, physically, emotionally, mentally, going to your counselor, changing career, going on different paths, but mainly around the, I'm okay with talking to a therapist. Have other men been more open in talking about where they're at with you? Um, some, it's not necessarily, I, I tell you where, yeah, on social media, people they don't know uh, mm. would get in touch and they'd be, you know, they'd, they'd either, you know, be looking for a number of a counselor, a therapist saying, look, I, I, I really feel like I need to talk to somebody. Um, and I, I know from, the, from Luke that I got to see, I, you know, I, he has definitely seen a lot of people that have, uh, that I've sent his way, which is, which is great because, you know, um, for every man that goes to a therapist, there's generally, you know, a few kids and a wife as well, um, who will benefit from that. You know, it's not just the man. Um, but friends, no, not really. Like, and then I have other friends who will, it's funny. Like this is, it's like journey, the word journey. I can never think of a better word, but this is like a process, a process. Right. And some people will take certain steps mm. along the journey or do certain amount of the process. And then, kind of get scared and just back all the way back up again to where they were comfortable and then stay there. And then they might make another stab at it. Do you know what I mean? It, it seems with men that they might decide one day, like Jesus, I've went on a stag and I drank all week and now it's Monday or Tuesday. And now I've decided that I want to change my life. I need help. Hmm. But as soon as, you know, as soon as you've maybe decided, as soon as you've been to therapy four times and things are starting to feel better and then you're like, oh, you know, maybe it's better if I just stay the way I was. It's, it's scary. Back into the comfort zone. That you, you can just end up, and I, and I feel like I feel a lot myself, like I don't drink now. And there's often times I feel like, well, maybe I should just have a few drinks at the weekend, you know, and, and that's all I ever would have had anyway. But like, you know, what difference is it going to make? I know the effect that I know why I was drinking. I know I was drinking to self-medicate. I know I was drinking because it gave me a break from my own head. And I know that was because of traumas that I had from growing up. And I know all that. That's the story or that's the truth. That's what happened to me. And I don't need to self-medicate anymore because I feel better. And I've dealt with all of that. So that's not, doesn't need to be part of my life anymore. But at the same time, there's always that draw back into who you were and what you were doing and what you, uh, you know, get back, get back in your box or go back to your place. So it can be, it's a constant, like I use things like meditation and mindfulness in the form of drawing or, uh, you know, just to keep myself like if you're if you're giving up alcohol or whatever, meditation is a, is brilliant. Like it's an amazing tool. But I could never have done any of that without doing the therapy work first. Mm. Um, and therapy taught me vulnerability, and vulnerability taught me how to be myself. And being myself taught me that I didn't need to medicate anymore, and it allowed me to meditate and just be with myself. Sit with meditation is sitting with yourself. Oh, geez. Lots of people can't sit with themselves until they like themselves. I don't think I'm the person, like Brezzy does great work at it. Uh, Russell 
uh, Russell Brand does great work around meditation and just be, but you know, it's, and you know, and we need more and more sports people to, you know, I might not be the manly man that is needed to, <laughs> to lead us out, into this battle, <laughs> come out and say these things. Maybe we need somebody a bit more manly for the other manly men to, to trust them and to, to follow them, you know, but I, I feel, I hope I've done a little bit. I think that's that's what every man needs to do, no matter what level of of <laughs> manliness you think you you subscribe to. It's it's just that it's a normal thing. It's normal to have emotions, and it's normal to express them and to talk about them. And it is normal to have really challenging times, and it is normal to have stuff that happened to you in the past that comes back up. And it is normal to have career things that you know kick you and you feel like how am I going to to go left or right and it is normal when you're in the position of a man who's now a father for those things to to happen but it's so important to show your kids how a man deals with them Um, and that's why I wanted to talk to you today that's why I want to thank you for opening up the conversation to to show as publicly as you did what it is like to go to a therapist um, the reasons why you felt like you needed to go to a therapist, but also the benefits that you've experienced from going to it, because there is still way too much shame and stigma around men looking after how they feel and it has to stop. And I'm as much as I've had conversations with women around how a year locked in the four walls that they live in has impacted how they're feeling. So too, the conversation needs to move to how men have coped with the complete changes that have occurred and the chaos that has ensued for their lives um, this year. So thank you for joining me today because I, and, and, and thank you for saying yes to this conversation, but thank you more so for doing the work that you've been doing so publicly because it, it can only help. Keith, how can people reach out to you, find more about you, do whatever, listen more to what it is that you are doing? Because I think you are making such a positive change. Yeah, well, you can follow me on Instagram or Twitter on social media. And that's where I will be. I have my podcast as well, the Keith Watch podcast. You can listen to that. Um, but I will be touring my show, Pure Mental, which is partly about my uh, my 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 year that I discovered therapy uh, and it's about my childhood. Um, it's called Pure Mental and we will be touring the country. We have about 24 dates booked for November, December. It's going to be a crazy couple of weeks, four weeks, I think. Uh, but we are hitting every, all of the cities and most of the cities, I think, and some of the towns around the country. So keep an eye out. And, and yeah, you'll find, I'll be ta- talking about it on Instagram talking about it till I'm blue in the face until you're sick listening to me so thanks and I will put some links into the show notes and all of that stuff so people can find you very easily yeah thanks for asking me and uh, I just you know I'll talk about I'll I'll talk about as much as I can wherever I can and I think that's uh, that's as much as I I, I can do and uh, I'll keep doing so yeah thanks for having me on and thanks for having and as you said, like it's the conversations like this that will ultimately help everybody get better and get to where they need to be. And uh, you know, dads, if you if you don't, you need to learn to love yourself before you can uh, really, really help your family. You know, that's the 
and and mums as well. That's the message. Our first dad, Keith Walsh. It's an honor. Do I get a medal or something? I must oh yeah, no, it's in the post. It's in the post. <laughs> um, thank you again. Great. Thanks, Ned. Thank you so much for listening and to Waterwipes, the number one wipe against nappy rash for their support. Proven to be purer than cotton wool and water, Waterwipes are made with just two ingredients and are 100% biodegradable, plastic-free and compostable wipe. And the winners of three National Parenting Product Awards 2020, including Best Baby Wipes. So you can do what's best for your baby's skin and help protect the planet. If you enjoyed this conversation, subscribe, rate, or leave a review. Share this episode across social and get in touch with every mum and this week's guest, Keith Walsh, on Instagram. Talk to you again next week.